Okay. I want to, as it were, force myself to stop on the place of righteousness tonight so that I can go into the area of peace. Because the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's quite a lengthy one, but we have to continue because God keeps speaking, God revealing one or two things. But I will try tonight to conclude with righteousness so that next week we're going to be picking up from peace. Uh, Again, the the text we don't await is Romans 14, 17 and 18. Well, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. In the Holy Ghost. Again, you just need to understand that the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Very important. So, the Holy Spirit is a factor that embodies not just the kingdom, but the righteousness, the peace, and joy that is in the kingdom. Amen. Okay, verse 8 says, For he that is in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Praise the Lord. Okay then. We want to kind of find out tonight, how do we obtain God's righteousness? You've been trying to define what righteousness is and how that we've been made the righteousness of God. When we talk about obtaining God's righteousness now, simply meaning uh, that is the righteousness of God and then the righteousness of men or the righteousness of the law. But all that we have been talking about is how can we obtain God's own righteousness, not righteousness Based on the law or the righteousness of men. Now, righteousness of men is religious righteousness when men set some standards for you to observe. Now, let me give you one simple illustration now. Um, the Bible says, He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Am I right? Really? Am I right? Okay. Now, if we all agree to do a thing and we fail to do that thing, what have we done? We've sinned. How did we sin? We broke the law. What was the law? We all agree to do a particular thing. Is that all right? Come on, are we together? Okay, now, let me give you one of the laws that we all have broken to tell you how difficult it is to establish man's righteousness or religious righteousness based on law or do's and don'ts. How many of you have the the timetable or that little thing we supply to read through the Bible in the year? How many of you have that one? Now how many of you have kept to it since we distributed it? Praise the Lord. Just two. Out of how many people? You see? That is, we all are sinners. Did you understand what I'm talking about? Hey, are you looking at me? Yeah, are you getting what I'm saying now? See, for us to be called righteous people, we won't fail 
doing that thing which you have agreed to do by receiving that paper. But the fact that we all, excepting two here in our city, have been religiously following it, the rest people, as far as that standard is concerned, we are not righteous people. That's the way the law works. Did you get that? Now, that brings you to the place of condemnation. Because you are unable to observe it. Anytime you see that paper, you feel guilty in your spirit. Am I right? Come on, talk to me. Good. You feel guilty. You, something begins to make you feel you have offended God. Okay? So that's exactly how the law works. And that's exactly the way it is when standards are put in place for you to serve God. You always become a sinner. Are you catching this? You always be a sinner because you find that one way or the other, you fail in doing that which had been put in place for you to do. So therefore, it was practically impossible to keep the laws. Did you get it down? Praise the living God. Therefore, we have to now, for God to accept you, you have to do what he asks you to do, all the things he said we should do. Doggedly, without missing one bit of whatever we all has agreed or he has said we should do. In other words, for you to obtain favor from God, you must do everything that he asks you to do. Am I right? Okay. Now it comes to the point where it becomes difficult for you as an individual to even make law, for people to make laws for you, for you to keep them continually to please God. Because the excess of that little thing we did on reading through the Bible in a year is to enable you serve God, is to enable you get committed to God, and somehow, subconsciously, you feel as you do it, you please God because you're reading through the Bible. Are you seeing it now? But now that you feel something begins to tell you that, well, you have offended God. Now, if you have offended God, boldness is no longer there. Therefore, you cannot approach Him. In faith, even sometimes when you are praying, something tells you because you have not read, therefore you can pray. Are you following what I'm talking about now? That is the issue with the law. That is the issue with self-righteousness or righteousness based on religion. But then there's another righteousness which comes from faith. Okay. This one has to do with, well, I may struggle to please God. But God accept me in spite of my witnesses because somebody stood for me. Did you get that? In other words, you can still be bold to talk to God even though you have not been reading it dogmatically. Because Jesus stood for you or the righteousness you are looking for is passed into your life through to Jesus Christ. Are you getting this? Therefore, you can still approach God. Because ordinarily, every day, you do what disqualifies you from approaching God. Almost every day. Okay, let's go on and read something now. Can we start from Isaiah 53 tonight? Hallelujah. Isaiah 53. Let me just look at verse 11. But it does says, I think God is going to forgive us for not reading through. Can we always say everybody say amen? And that means you have to go back and start reading. Can we also say amen to that? 
<laughs> because you need the word <laughs> to be who God intends you to be. You will not ask me, what about all the months I have missed? Righteousness of God covers you. Start from today, 27th eh? or 26th of June. Just start from there and go on. Is that all okay? Go back and start. Okay. Uh, verse 11, Isaiah 53. Talking about Christ. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Hallelujah. Did you get that? He shall bear their iniquities. By, no, by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. The faults we have, the weaknesses we go through, the failures we experience in life, he bears them so that God will not count those things against us. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, I said here, you don't need any evidence to prove your righteousness, but just your belief. Meaning, even before you started doing whatever you may call Christian obligations and duties, you were already a righteous man before God. If only you can believe into the sacrifice of Jesus. Example is what I've just given to you now. Do you understand that? Hey, are you there with me? All your failures, he accepts to himself. So that God will not count your failures against you. A typical example is what I just gave to you. We all agree we have to do this. We've got all the papers. You have them stuck up in your Bible. Nobody is faithful in doing it. But the righteousness of God says he will receive those faults so that he can still be bold to do what? To talk to God. Alright? Okay. Let me read this from the message. I'm going to read it from verse number 10. Still, it is what God had in mind all along, to crush him with pain, talking about Jesus. The plan was that he gave himself as an offering for sin so that he, 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 see life come from it. Life, life, and more life. And God's plan will deeply prosper through him. Verse 11. Out of that terrible travail of soul, he will see that it's worth it and be glad he did it. Through what he experienced, my righteous one, my servant will make many righteous ones. And as sins himself carry the burden of their sins. My righteous one will make many what? Righteous ones. That's what I want you to see. He is righteous, but he's making you what? Righteous. Meaning you can make yourself righteous. And you don't have the ability to come to the standard of God. Because you see... The righteousness we're talking about is meeting with the standard of God. Hallelujah. Okay. Where then do you find righteousness? I think I have to be a little bit fast tonight because I need to end up with this. Where then do you find righteousness? Isaiah 62. Isaiah 62. I'm also going to read from verse 1 and I'm going to be reading from the message translation. Uh, I just quickly read uh, King James first. It says, Isaiah 62 verse 1, For Zion's sake will I not hold my peace, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest. Until what? 
The righteousness thereof goes forth as brightness and the salvation thereof as a lamb that born it. Righteousness is within Zion, which is the church. Okay. The message says, regarding Zion, I can't keep my mouth shut. Regarding Jerusalem, I can't hold my peace until her righteousness blazes down like the sun and her salvation flames up like a torch. Hallelujah. So, now, God is building, remember what he said in 53, verse 11? He's saying, his righteous one is making other, many other righteous people. Is that okay? Right. Now, God's righteousness is coming through, we are, the church. And he said, I'm not going to hold my peace. I'm not going to be silent. I'm not going to just going to keep quiet. I want to walk until the righteousness that I intended within the church begin to blaze forth. And when he begins to come for look at what happened in verse 2 of that same thing. Foreigners or foreign countries will see your righteousness and world leaders your glory. You will get a brand new name straight from the mouth of God. Hallelujah. Meaning, when you begin to walk in the righteousness of God, people will observe you from afar. Praise the living God. Men will begin to see something. There is a kind of glory that radiates around you when you walk in God's righteousness. Not your own righteousness. Not even the righteousness of the law. Because the truth is, everything that he is, you are taking, you are not just taking, he's imputing into you. His glory is given unto you. Wherever you find yourself. So one of the things that brings forth the glory of God upon the life of a people is when you begin to believe and walk in the righteousness of God. Are you still there? And people will observe you from afar. Men will begin to seek you. Men will begin to locate you. There is something about God's righteousness when it begins to flow through you that attracts people from afar. Praise the living God. Say, foreign countries will see your righteousness and wall it as your glory. You will get a brand new name straight from the mouth of God. Things will begin to change for you. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Now, situations like this, I don't see you struggling to look for job. Because men will seek your glory. Men will see that which is coming out of your life. Praise the living God. You know, the purpose of God raising Israel in the wilderness and from that location. I remember teaching you, you know, the three sons of Japheth and I mean, Noah. And then when God began to divide and place all the continent wherever they are supposed to be. And where he positioned Israel. How that he intended to raise his laws from Israel to begin to move through the rest of the continent. Remember that? Praise the living God. You need to understand that. Why God positioned Israel at the center, if you know, it's, it's like as even the center of the world because it's, it has a kind of interface with the three continents. The reason is because he intended that from there his laws will begin to go out to the rest of the nations. Are you getting that? So the righteous standard of God is supposed to come from where? From the church to the rest of the nations. And this is where the Bible tells us that at the end of the day, the kings of the world will come and say, teach us of your God. 
meaning the true principles of life, even in spiritual uh, and, and practical social business management, ought to come out from the church. People should seek how to live from the church. So now, when your righteousness, because when you begin to live in righteousness, one thing that definitely will happen is his presence will always be with you. Meaning, we must come to the place of practicing God's presence, which has to do with his righteousness. How do we do that? We must come to the place of consciously knowing that he is always around us, how we carry his glory. A conscious practicing of God's righteousness. He is always around. Emmanuel, God with us. He is always present. So wherever you find yourself, you must know that he's there. And that consciousness radiates something from within you. Because I will not hold my peace until the righteousness comes out from Zion. Is that okay? Hallelujah. So, we just need to understand it because it's very, very important. Okay, let's turn to the book of Philippians. Philippians. I get out of Philippians chapter 1 and we look at verse 9 to 11. Philippians chapter 1, 9 to 11. Praise the Lord. And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. Are we there in Philippians? Sorry, Philippians 1 verse 9. Are we together? Okay. And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in, in, in knowledge and in judgment. That ye may approve things that are excellent. That ye may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ. Verse 11. Be filled with what? The fruits of righteousness which are what? By Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. The fruit of righteousness by Jesus Christ. The fruit of righteousness is another of saying through Jesus Christ. Can you get that? God personally woke me up almost about three weeks ago now. Gave me this very verse. When we started talking about righteousness, he woke me up and gave this to me. Just to convince me. Of what I'm teaching. The fruit of righteousness that God is talking about is through who? Jesus Christ. So, it's not your righteousness. It is his righteousness. And as you believe in him, you begin to bear the fruit of righteousness. (laughs) Did you see that? It's so easy. So, it's not you struggling to be righteous. Neither is you struggling to do what is righteous. He who is righteous lives on your inside. And you begin to bear the fruit of righteousness. And I know one of the fruit of righteousness, outside of just doing good things, has to do with bearing the fruit of the Spirit. Amen? Bearing the fruit of the Spirit. Praise the living God. Okay, let me read this from the Amplified. Verse 11 alone from the Amplified. Praise the Lord. Verse 11. May you abide in and be filled with the fruits of righteousness 
of right standing with God and right doing. Hallelujah. Which come through Jesus Christ. Can you get that? Right standing, right doing, which comes through Jesus Christ. Not what's a standard, I mean, the kind of standard is established or what the law says. No, we're not talking about that. But righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Now, you can see the kind of righteousness of Abraham. Abraham simply believed. And it was credited to him for what? For righteousness. So, when you come to the righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, here we see God motivating you to do things, not you struggling to do things. Hallelujah. And he says, To honor and praise of God that he made manifest and recognize. His glory may be made manifest and what? Recognized. You see, like I said, when you begin to walk in the righteousness of Christ, His glory will be made manifest. May we see His glory upon your life. That is something that righteousness does for you. He brings God's glory to your life. Men begin to see you completely different. Just like the, I mean, the message says, there's going to give you a name from His whole mouth. And watch that. When He gave Abraham another name, from his own mouth, people recognize who Abraham was. Amen? That even the Muslim world still claim Abraham is their father. Is that okay? But the truth, all of you know here, Abraham is not the father of the Muslims. It's Abraham that is the father of the Muslims. Not Abraham. You, you still remember that? Because Abraham gave birth to Ishmael Abraham gave birth to Isaac. Huh? So, when he named him, he brought his Yahweh, which is his fatherly name, which is the H, into Abraham, and he changed Abraham to Abraham. Then he gave birth to Isaac. So, we have already been saying, Abraham had one child, not two children. Because when God says, sacrifice your son, he didn't say, sacrifice your children. It's one child. Can you get that? God also recognized that Abraham had one child. He thought he had two children. He said, sacrifice your only child. That's what Abraham said. I mean, God said, didn't he say sacrifice your children? Sacrifice your only child. So God knew that Abraham had one child, but Abraham had also one child, which is Ishmael. But you see, those same said are claiming Abraham to be who? Their father. Why? Because God gave him Another name. Bringing the glory of the Gentiles to Abraham. Everybody wants to recognize Abraham. At the end of the day, everybody wants to be a friend of Abraham. Why? Because Abraham was righteous. What was his righteousness? He believed God. And God said, you are a righteous man. Hallelujah. I see you walking in righteousness in Jesus' name. And I see men seeking your glory in the name of Jesus. Okay. Uh, still going to read from, uh, I'm going to be touching on the benefit of righteousness, but let me still read this again. Philippians 4, I mean, Philippians 1, I'm still reading verse 9 to 10, and I want to read from the message. I just like to break this thing down so that you can see the strength of what we are communicating. Paul is writing again and say, So this is my prayer that your love will flourish, and that you will not only love much, but well. There's the difference between loving well and loving much. Is that okay? You need to love much, but love well. Okay. 
Learn to love appropriately. You need to use your head and test your feelings. Mm. Did you get that? Use your head and do what? Test your feelings. Okay. So that your love is sincere and intelligent. That means there's a foolish love. Not sentimental. Gosh. Live and love us life. Circumspent and exemplary. A life Jesus will be proud of. Verse 11. Bountiful in fruits from the soul. Making Jesus Christ attractive to all. Getting everyone involved in the glory and praise of God. See how righteousness works? Hallelujah. Righteousness will make Jesus attractive to all. That's what I'm saying. The glory of God as it's come out of you, men will seek his glory. They want to come to you. Why do they want to come to you? Not just you. There is a Christ in you that is doing what? Attracting them. Hallelujah. Pastor Maxwell was saying something when Felix, when Paul was speaking, and Felix said, you almost persuaded me to be a Christian. That was something that was attractive. That was something that was working in the heart of this man. Is that okay? There was something just as he was talking. Something was coming. You know, in the book of Matthew chapter 7, he says something. Say, if they arrest you before the people, take no thought for what you shall say. You remember that? Say, but the spirit of your father, which is in you, shall give you what you shall say. That is what I'm saying. There is the Christ of God on your inside that speaks for you when you come before people. It's not you to premeditate. It's not you to think about what to say. There is something that comes out of you. And that is why you need to know him and to walk in his righteousness. Not your ability anymore. Hallelujah. Are you there? Okay, let's look at this. What are the benefits of God's righteousness? I'm not talking of benefit of righteousness, but benefit of God's righteousness. As opposed to just righteousness, which is of the law, which is of religion. What is the benefit of God's own righteousness? Remember, I always said in the book of Matthew chapter 6, seek for the kingdom of God and what? His righteousness. Is that okay? Alright, so what is the benefit of God's own righteousness as you receive it? And don't forget, we made the righteousness of God in who? In Christ. Okay. Isaiah 54 verse 17. I'm also going to take this from two translations. I'm going to read from the Amplifier. I'm going to read from the King James. Isaiah 54, just one verse, verse 17. Where's your Bible? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Okay, are we there? Verse 17, Isaiah 54. No weapon. Everybody say no weapon. That is formed against thee shall prosper. Man, listen, listen, listen. You are going to see something tonight. You have been quoting this, but I want you to see what it really means. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is what? The heritage of the servant of the Lord. And their righteousness is of me, say the Lord. Do you know what he's saying? If anybody wants to condemn you, you can stand to say, I can't be condemned because I'm righteous. And God is saying, hey, you have right to say that because my own righteousness I have imputed. 
you are not stopping them because of your righteousness. You are stopping them because of my own righteousness. Say, their righteousness is of me. That is what they have inherited. That is why you can pray. That is why you can stop any power. You can stop any voice. You can stop any tongue. You know what the tongue does? The tongue stands to condemn you. You are not good enough to call the name of Jesus. You are not good enough to be called a child of God. You can't even say you are a saint. Huh? But I told you before, Romans 1, verse number 7, we are all saints. The word holy means what? Saints. Irrespective of what you think you are doing or passing through, as far as God is concerned, you are a saint. Say, their righteousness is of me. It's inheritance. It's an inheritance. It means we inherited God's righteousness, and so we have authority to stop any tongue that wants to condemn us. Every tongue that shall rise against you, you shall do what? Condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is of me. Not because of what they've done, not because of what they can do, not because of anything you have ever done in life. You have the authority to condemn because your righteousness is of the Lord. It's not your own righteousness. You don't have anything that qualifies you to stop the devil. Naturally, by your own ability. But you can tell the devil to keep quiet. And God has said that because you are what? Righteous. Man, Jesus make worshiping of God very easy for us. Let's not make it difficult. Let's not make it difficult. Hallelujah. So when men begin to tell you how to do it, you have to do that so that you can have extra faith. Man, this is the only way of faith. I just know I'm a righteous man. And because I'm a righteous man, I can tell the devil to keep quiet and he has to keep quiet. Not because of what I can do. Not because I have to fast five days, seven days, eight days, ten days. No, 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 no. I just know it that Christ died and gave me all that he was supposed to have. He paid the price. He took my place. And he gave to me what he had. And he took what I have, which did not qualify me to do what I'm supposed to do in life. Are you still there with me? Okay. So I want you to see this today in a greater dimension. Not just what you used to hear, not just mother. I'm not talking about sticker. I'm talking about what you must begin to know consciously. That I have a right over the power of the enemy. I have a right anywhere, anytime. There is no power, no voice, no, no tongue anywhere in creation that can condemn me. I'll say what against me and let that word work. It won't work. I have the voice, I have the power to condemn anything that anybody says against me because I am in the righteousness of God. It's an inheritance. I didn't work for it. Inheritance means you belong to a father. Can I hear an amen to that? This is, this is patrimony, patrimonial inheritance. You see, your father has so much wealth and your father have to bequeath some things to you and you just grow up and you walk into the estate of your father. You don't need to labor to build an estate if your father had one. An inheritance is simply an inheritance. You don't labor to inherit. All that qualifies you to inherit is to have a father. Praise the living God. 
And God is our Father. Amen? And He's saying, Amen. All my saints, this is one of my inheritance they must have. They are righteous people. And because they are righteous, they can speak against the devil. They can speak against anybody. No man have right to condemn them. You don't have to stand to live in condemnation anytime, anywhere. As far as the universe is concerned, you are a free being. Amen? Praise the Lord. Okay. I'm just trying to give you the benefit of God's righteousness. Amen? Okay. Let me read it from the Amplified. From the Amplified. But no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment, you shall b- show to be in the wrong. I like that. You prove them wrong. You know, it's another way of saying you are in the court now. Eh? Now here is somebody, um, the, 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 the barrister, whatever, you know, defense counsel or whatever counsel you want to call them. The lawyer standing and begin to bring all the judgment pieces. I saw him, I saw him stealing, I saw him doing this, I saw him doing that. Speaking to the judge. Amen? And somehow the Bible is telling us, even in the midst of that, you don't need another lawyer. You can just stand up and say, all that you are saying is wrong. And they just say, you are right. It is you that will condemn the accusation. Don't wait for somebody to do that for you. <laughs> Did you get that? Look at what he says here. Just watch it. He said, Every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment, you shall show to be what? Wrong. You prove them wrong. You don't wait for somebody to do that for you. Praise the Lord. This peace, define now, this peace, righteousness, security, triumph over opposition is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Those in whom the ID servant of the Lord is reproduced. This is the righteousness or the vindication which you obtain from me. This is that which I impart to them as their justification, says the Lord. I impart it to them as their word, their justification. So, you are justified being, there is no condemnation, there is no voice, there is no power that can condemn you. You are justified being. Please don't you forget the message of Jesus and Barabbas. Always remember that. People say, crucify him. Barabbas didn't know who they were talking about. But when he came out, Pilate said, hey, Barabbas, you can go. He said, but I am a criminal. I kill people. He said, yes, you were supposed to be crucified. You were supposed to be killed. But Jesus is taking your place. So you are free. Did you get that? Barabbas walked home free. And nobody was going to stop him on the road and say, Hey, bear, you were a prisoner. You were supposed to be condemned. If you tell Barabbas, the man is there. The one to be killed is there, not me. He has to now defend himself. He's not going to wait for somebody to excuse him. If anybody said, Barabbas, you are a criminal. I say, no, Jesus took my place. You have to defend yourself. There's a problem. We don't know yet what is our justification. We don't know yet what he has given to us. So we wait for people to speak for us. No, 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 no. Hear what Jesus said. The parents of this man that was born blind. How many of you remember? They said, was your child not born blind? So why would I know? He's of age. You go and ask him. <laughs> Let him speak for himself. Whether he was born blind or not, we don't know. I agree with his parents, but he's of age. You need to grow up to be of age. Are you still there? 
And perhaps you're going to meet a blind man. Were you born blind? Sure, I was born blind, but Jesus made me whole. I can see because he took the sight, he made me whole. He could speak for himself. You don't wait for people. That is your justification. That is your inheritance. That is what Jesus did. He paid the price and it was imputed to you. Listen to me. You are a legal luminary now. Come on here. You can defend yourself anywhere in the world. You don't need any lawyer to stand for you. You don't need it. You just need to understand it. You don't need anybody standing somewhere they be the one to speak on your behalf. No, no, no. Are you saying, Pastor, somebody have to pray with me? I'll pray with you. I have no problem. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying you can defend yourself. You only need to know that men righteousness qualify me to stand and defend myself. Now I'm a legal practitioner. Anywhere I go, you raise a voice, I condemn it. <laughs> and somebody said, Where are your facts? Jesus. <laughs> I don't have anything else to give to you. What do you need to prove that you're free? Jesus. Is there. The evidence is there. You have it. Anytime, whatever condemnation, whatever thing that is leveled against you, you have only one fact. Jesus. And by the time you begin to extract Jesus, everything that you were thinking that you did, they are on him. And because he took him, they took those things from you. How many of you remember? When the son of man is lifted up, will draw all. Huh? <laughs> Amen, somebody. Okay. So, what's the first thing he did? It guarantees you security. Is that okay? Hallelujah. There is defense in God's world. Righteousness. You can defend yourself. There's defense in it. There's protection in it. Praise the Lord. Number two. I'm just giving you the benefit of righteousness. God's righteousness. I'm going to give you a few ones. Then you go back and do some research on your own. And dig more and more and more into the book. Amen. Number two, it establishes you. God's righteousness will establish you. Oh, praise the Lord. Okay, Isaiah 54. Isaiah 54. Verse 11. Are we there? All thou afflicted, toes with tempest. Are not comforted. Behold, Isaiah 51, verse 11. I will lay the stone with fair colors, and lay the foundations with sapphires. And I will make the windows of our gates and the gates of carbuncles, and all the borders of pleasant stones. And all the children shall be taught of the Lord. <laughs> And great shall be the peace of their children. Can I hear an amen to that? In righteousness, thou shalt be what? Establish. Hallelujah. And thou shalt be far from what? Oppression. For thou shalt not fear. And from terror, for it shall not come nigh thee. In what? In righteousness. Thou shalt not fear. Why? I don't have anything that will make me to be afraid because Jesus died in my place. Everything that will have made me to be scared. Watch this. 
voice of God was walking in the cool of the evening and Adam and Eve had to heal themselves and God said, where are you? So we are afraid. Why? Because they develop a consciousness of sin. Are you there? Come on. So, one of the things that the enemy uses to destroy you very fast and quickly is the spirit of fear. How many of you remember Sunday message? Huh? Hallelujah. The spirit of a terror. But in righteousness, that shall be what? Established. Not your righteousness. God's own righteousness. No power. Don't be intimidated. You are such a free man, man. Hey. <laughs> I wish you can catch this just a little bit. Okay. Now, I don't know where the president children is. If I tell you I know, I'm deceiving myself. I don't know. Maybe they're in the U.S., maybe they're in the U.K., I don't know. But all I know, they have children. He has children. Now, that guy doesn't need, this children doesn't need to be afraid of anybody in this country. As long as the man remains the president. Am I right? He doesn't need to be afraid. In fact, he doesn't even leave the house without escorts. Plain, police, dictative, no uniform. They're always there. How many of you know you have so many angels assigned to you? So many assigned to you because you are a child of the king. You know, Jesus said that to Pilate. Remember that? Say, if this war, if I wanted to fight, I would speak and God will send. Did you get that? Myriad of angels to fight for me. They are always there. But he won't ask them to do so because he has to fulfill. The assignment of going to the cross. Hallelujah. Some of us need to come to the place and really begin to see like Elisha and the servant. And the Bible said, Elisha simply said, God, can you just open his eyes to see? For they that are with us are more than they that are with them. Amen. And the servant opened his eyes and he saw a myriad of angels. And I like this man. He has another spirit. He took all these people, brought them to the king and said, here are your enemies. And the king said, kill them. He said, no, give them food, show them the way. Another spirit, different from fall and die. Enemies were captured. Am I talking to someone here? Brought them to the king. Here are the enemies who want to kill you. The king said, fine, now you just get them killed. No, you don't kill anybody. Just give them food, show them the road. Once you capture your enemy, he will beg you. The weapons have been taken away. So what are you killing the person for? Somebody have already captured. What is the point killing the person? He has no weapon. No power anymore. Hallelujah. Fear nothing. I remember when I was young, I used to read. And somebody once wrote a book and I read it. And he said, you fear nothing but fear. It is fear itself that you fear because there is nothing to be afraid of. So you are already afraid of fear. Can I describe what I mean by that? Take a little boy in the night, put off the light, and the child will start screaming. What is happening? Nothing. There is nothing there. He can even tell you I'm seeing a ghost. But virtually there is nothing there. He's just afraid of darkness. 
When light comes, darkness disappears. When understanding comes, fear will disappear. Friend, listen to me. You've got God's righteousness. And one of the things that it will ever do for you is that it will make you never to be afraid. Oh, no. Now, here's what Solomon said in the book of Proverbs. He said, the righteous, they are what? As bold as a lion. Lion have no cause to be afraid of any other animal in the bush. That's what righteousness can do for you. If you understand what righteousness is, your boldness will spring forth. You can walk into any territory. You can walk anywhere. You just have to be as bold as a lion. Why? Because you're a righteous man. Praise the Lord. No intimidation. No fear. No embarrassment. Amen? <laughs> we got all the powers. Because Jesus died for us. Hallelujah. Okay. Another one, number three. Give you just three or so. And we'll probably we'll quit tonight. Number three. Psalm 47, verse number seven. The Bible says, what is it? You wanted to write what it's going to do for you? Righteousness promotes the bearer. Righteousness promotes the bearer. If you're a righteous man, you carry the righteousness of God, it promotes you. Hallelujah. Amen. Psalm 47 verse num- 45 verse number 7. The Bible says, Thou lovest righteousness. Talking about Christ now. I hear that wickedness. Therefore, God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. What qualified him? It was a righteousness. Hallelujah. You may be doing the same business in the same place with other people. You find that you are riding higher and higher every day. Men, it's not the mercy you, do, you did from somewhere. It has nothing to do with what the traditional herbalist can do for you. But just walking in the righteousness of God. The Bible says there's an anointing. There is, there is a grace that begins to flow in your life. Above your fellows. Righteousness promotes the bearers. He lifts you. Because God needs to be lifted. And it is because of this that the glory of the Lord as it begins to emanate through you. That people will begin to come. Amen. Okay. Look at some, I mean Isaiah 11 verse number 5. It's, it's all describing Jesus Christ anyway. Isaiah 11, we're going to go back to Psalm 45, but Isaiah 11 verse 5, the Bible says, Righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. Talking about Jesus Christ. Is that okay? Amen. Are you there with me? Praise the Lord. Now, back again to that Psalm 45, and look at verse, verse 4. Hallelujah. Are we there in Psalm 45 now? Verse number 4. It says, And in thy majesty, ride prosperously, because of truth and meekness and what? Righteousness. And the right hand shall teach thee terrible things. Did you get that? 
in thy majesty, right prosperously. See, the victory that Jesus got over the devil, over everything that you can ever imagine is tied to what? His righteousness. Hebrews, you look at Hebrew 1, begin to read from verse 1, you're going to see the same thing. It's tied to his righteousness. And he said, right prosperously, because of truth and because of meekness and because of what? Righteousness. And the right hand shall teach thee terrible things. It shall be manifesting all glorious things in the place of the power, which has to do with the right hand. Why? Because of righteousness. So understand, men, your business, your business can lag behind. Can I animate to that? Terrible things, wonderful things, precious things shall you do through your right hand because you see, right prosperously. That's what I'm trying to make you see. Right prosperously, right victoriously because of truth. What is truth? Christ is the truth. Amen? Meekness. Who is meekness? Who is God, the spirit of meekness? Jesus Christ. Because of what? Righteousness. What righteousness? Christ is our righteousness. So what is he saying? Right prosperously. At the right hand, which is the place of power, the place of authority, to teach thee what? Terrible things. You do great things. Why? Because of righteousness. So what am I saying? Righteousness will promote the carriers. If you carry Jesus, there is promotion for you. It is not by what you can do. It is what he has done. You only need to believe into what he has done. Again, I repeat, there is nothing you will ever do to please God other than believing into what he has done. And that which he has done is that Christ was sacrificed for you. Your believing into this brings you to the place of righteousness. And as you walk in righteousness, you're going to ride prosperously. I don't see you lagging behind. I don't see you below. I don't see you getting sick. I don't see you getting poor. I don't see any power walking over your head. You are going to ride prosperously in life in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.